You're listening to Medicine for the Resistance. Um, I do equity work. Work in um, actually, I write for uh, as a as an equity lead. I do anti-racism work and anti-oppression work in in child welfare, which has its challenges. Um, mm. And um, I also teach at the University of Toronto. Um, I mean, it's 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 equity that's woven throughout, and equity with respect to two particular communities which is so deeply relevant to, you know, um, this podcast and, and what it is that, you know, the, the issues that you both explore in this podcast. But, you know, in, in terms of child welfare, it's, you know, the one of the, well, the two communities that overwhelmingly are um, disproportionately overrepresented and, um, and have this long history of being um, aligned and, treated in a really oppressive way based on these white supremacist notions of, of, of who, who can parent, right? Mm-hmm. Who a good parent is and, and which communities can parent and which can't. Indigenous communities to Turtle Island and indigenous communities to Africa or people who are Af- of African descent, right? Or, or black communities. And I also teach at um, the Transitional Year Program, which um, is about 50 years old now and it began it, um, um, by virtue of the underrepresentation of, you know, um, black students and in, indigenous students in um, university, um, and if you think about, you know, like the legacies of colonialism and how that created anti-black racism, anti-indigenous racism, and resulted in barriers to um, our communities being able to have access to education. I also do some consulting work, um, but I would say the most important role that I have is as a mother. Um, I, am, I have a son who's an adolescent and um, I dedicated my book actually to him. Um, I wrote um, what became this book. It, it started off as my dissertation um, and really wanting to have an understanding of what I was observing within my own community, the Yoruba community, which is one of the, um, um, the South, one of the ethnic groups in southwestern Nigeria, one of the most populous. I think some people say it's the most popular. So um, that was my entry point in terms of writing this book that we're gonna, my book that we're gonna be talking about today. So I wear a number of hats, but they all culminate together in, you know, as, um, uh, for myself, for my son, my community, um, and um, people of African descent, and then the larger, you know, human, human world and human community, um, humanity. So, yeah, I'll leave it there. What a powerful beginning. Like, I, I mean, I, I really actually love how you began that, because in essence, you touched upon what I believe oh, is is so much the heart of of how uh, black you know folk and indigenous folk approach things. We we talk an approach mm-hmm. from community. We talk an approach right. from family. Our 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 basis and fundamental way of being sits very yeah. deeply from the core of those spaces 
So it's not a surprise. And I love how it gives and brings the flavor to this discussion that we're going to have here. I have been um, trying, and I'm gonna be honest, I haven't even had a chance to get deeply dived into the book in the way that I wanted to um, do some absorption in that space. But this touches my space very, you know, from a core because it's the practices of what I have taken from in ancestry and in exploring where I come from. Right. I, um, I, I mentioned in the last time that we talked that I have my own altars. Um, I have Yamaya, an altar that's solely dedicated to Yamaya that sits as you, op as you walk into my home, you will see that altar wow. um, displayed. And then when I come into my bedroom now, Oshun, this is her bourgeois. And, um, mm. it, you know, right. goddess right. of love. And um, I feel a very much a kindred to her and her colors of orange and, yes. and just, you know, honey and sweetness and all of these things. And what I recognize is how we sit in yeah. such close yeah. correlation. When you were talking, Patty, I'm bringing you into this because I thought it was lovely how you mentioned the idea of being indigenous. <laughs> Patty, if you're wondering what I'm giggling at, Patty's trying to fix her hair. You know, in the, I'm in looking at my hair and it's like it's fluff honey and trying to get the Karen out of my head. <laughs> you look, you look <laughs> lovely. There's getting into that Karen pop and it annoys me. You look you beautiful, look Patty. You look <laughs> and I, I'm bringing that in um, because I think about the space of how we connect in and this idea of being indigenous, you know, everybody is indigenous to somewhere. Yeah. And I think that that's a correlation and a real link that we can all connect from and then how we have this experience right. of being um disembodied from our spaces of being whether it is whether we know where we are where we okay. come from or not does that make sense i'm not sure if i'm articulating it well yes no it does it's it does i think of it as similar to as um an important piece of our identity because we all have multiple identities right um and so how our indigeneity, depending on where we're indigenous to, I'm just putting my phone off, that it can be um, a space where um, that is advantageous to us, it privileges us, and, and, and for some of us, it's, it's not a privilege, right? And what I mean by that is, we all are indigenous to some place, some, somewhere, however, how do certain forms of indigeneity get talked about and taken up through a Eurocentric lens, right? And therefore seen as negative, seen as less than, seen as um, um, pejorative, non-human, right? Or subhuman, right? Um, and so for example, if you think about, um, well, if you think about the way white people draw on you know, or talk about themselves as indigenous here, right? Sometimes they, they'll draw on really these romanticized understandings of what it means to be indigenous, right? Mm. You completely erasing first peoples, right? 
um, and 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 how so deeply problematic it is because it's it's connected to the doctrine of discovery, the doctrine of you know terra nullius, um, and, or even how they draw on particular understandings of being indigenous to Europe and what that means and what that what that looks like, right? Mm-hmm. But it's all connected to um, to dominance, right? So there there are forms of indigeneity that are connected to dominance and colonization, and then there are types of indigeneity. Um, and, and how I conceive of indigenous peoples to Turtle Island and indigenous peoples to the African continent, where there's these long histories of colonization where other people came and um, saw or, or you know, deliberately attempted to erase and, and deny humanity for their own benefit, right? For capitalist benefit for the development of Europe, for the development of, um, of here, right, of Turtle Island, which then becomes North America, which then becomes the United States and, and Canada, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I don't talk about it here, but I talk about it in another article where if we, are, if we start to think about indigeneity differently, what would it mean then to, you know, um, to put whiteness back right, put whiteness back to um, a European context, right, what would that, what what would the implications of that be? Anyways, we're kind of moving away from, from, from the book, but just to kind of really, like, how decolonization is so um, thinking through a decolonized um, framework is so fundamentally important to uproot and start talking about whiteness and white supremacy and what it's done, right? And what it continues to do to, mm-hmm. to our communities. To, you know. mm-hmm. and, so, and that yeah. was kind of, sorry, I was going to say that does kind of lead into, you, you know, to, to your book, to the yes. souls of Yoruba folk, because you're building on that, you know, kind of, you know, what W.E. Du Bois had, had written about the souls of Black yep. folk in this kind of dueling identity. And as I was reading, right. the book, there's just so much there that, resonated with me because I mean as an indigenous person we experience you know that kind of duality as well even even down to where you're talking about people or you know kind of publicly right. Christian but at home behind the closed doors you know they're practicing their indigenous you, you know their Yoruba right. duality and our or you know or in my case you know our not our, our Anishinaabe ceremonies and traditions and you know yep. down to yep. having church services and meaning something completely different about everything we were doing so that it looked as if we were having church but we were actually not right (laughs) we're doing we were doing something very you know very different as a way of holding on to it so can you explain a little bit about what we du bois was talking about that you're drawing on in terms of that duality so he was talking about and so he you know we du bois is an important figure um, and, you know, the first Black person to, to obtain um, his PhD at, um, at Harvard University. And he wrote this groundbreaking book, The Souls of Black Folk. And in this book, one on, you know, many scholars talk about um, that is a reality of, um, that has continued that has and continues to have a, a, a deep impact on our identity and how we understand ourselves and know ourselves 
is this um, concept that he coined of double consciousness. And it's this idea essentially of it's a duality where you're seeing yourself um, through the eyes of the white gaze, essentially, right? Through seeing yourself through the eyes of others. It's about um, you knowing who you are or having an understanding of who you are, but there's also, you know, um, how you're read and how you're seen through the eyes of the colonizer, right? And how, because by virtue of the white gaze and the eyes of the colonizer, given that, the, you know, the, the extreme amount of power that they have, that that then becomes the way through which people interact and engage the dominant, right? And the powerful way that people interact and engage with you and understand and know you. And it's so powerful sometimes that it then becomes how you understand. You take it in to mean something about you as individuals and as a collective people, we take it in, we internalize it and, and start to believe these ways of thinking and seeing and knowing and understanding ourselves and believe it to be true. And so it's this double, double consciousness, this double awarenessness, but it's, it's, an, it's unreconciled, um, it's a dueling, um, and, it's, and it's an unequal doing, dueling, um, where overwhelmingly, I think he's trying to highlight the power imbalance as well, right? Mm -hmm. By virtue of what colonialism does and, and how it impacts not only our body and our mind, but our soul, our very being, the essence of who we are as a people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so in highlighting that, he's also highlighting, I would say, too, in his work, you know, the resistance, right? The resistance, our resistance and our resilience um, and, and how we, we're constantly um, in this space of trying to reconcile, right? And doing that through um, trying to understand who we are on our own terms, but if it's happening within the context of this relentless you know, thing called whiteness, white supremacy, colonization, so. I've read that book um, many moons ago, but it, it really does resonate. And the this conceptualization of trying to find out yourself and find out who self is while you are in this space of the duality. And, and let's, you know, that to me is where right. that impetus or where that understanding of code switching comes in, you know? Um, yes. We all, right? We, we all have that space of yep. of our who we are, and then I know, like I got I got my white girl carry that I may present, you know, in in the space of if I'm I'm heading to a meeting or I'm sitting on a certain panel, you know, that person comes through, right. and and it it is, right. and while yeah. you know we can joke about it. The reality of us having to sit in that space does offer this kind of cognitive um, mm -hmm. dissonance into the way that you exist in the dissonance. world. Yeah. And, and that dissonance does kind of spread into how you relate in community, right? And so with that thought in the front of my mind, yeah. When we talk about it in the context of what you were explaining with your book, what comes front and center for you when you decided now to apply it to your being of Yoruba descent and that being your truth? Where does that fit in? 
Wow, that's a that's a really important um, question. I because for me, observation, right, based on being in the diaspora, um, hearing and seeing inflections of Yoruba culture and Yoruba spirituality in in multiple spaces and places. So within the um, um, my immediate family, right? Well, where, you know, my parents speak the language, I understand the language, I don't really speak, I speak it with a very Canadian accent, but, you know, being within and around people of Yoruba heritage and culture, um, and, and, and always hearing, for example, when something negative happens, how it's attributed to our spirituality, or how it's attributed to some, some, somebody or something called issue, didn't really know or understand it, but grew up hearing this right? Grew up hearing this, didn't know or understand what, who, or who Aishu was. Couldn't really decipher the difference at that point. Um, and then also, more recently, hearing, right, in, uh, within and amongst diasporic Africans who, you know, um, have the history of their ancestors having been enslaved, right? And not necessarily being able to point to a particular people right, on the continent, as these are my people, the way I can go to, you know, say Yoruba land, these are my people. But hearing, yes, exactly, Carrie. No, my but hearing, right, right. Um, but hearing inflections of it, of Yoruba, right? So hearing people say Ashe, or like I hear people say Ashe, which is Ashe, which is a Yoruba word, right? Um, and so, you know, Graduate school offered an opportunity for me to take a closer exploration and unpack these things that I was hearing and wanted to get a better sense of this thing called, you know, um, indigeneity, right? Mm -hmm. So it was really this duality of, okay, Yoruba people um, that more recently came from the continent, right? Um, identifying as either Christian or Muslim. Mm -hmm. And when anything bad happened, it was always attributed to that thing, right? Mm. The, 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 you know, and it was never really mentioned other than through issue, um, but you know, this negative, or, or it was called Juju, right? Yep. It's called Juju. Yep. Um, I know in the Caribbean, Obia. Um, voodoo, voodoo. Yep, the yeah. obia, dom, who, do, voodoo, yes, right. And so I realized that, okay, so there's something here. Didn't know really what it was, but I thought to myself, okay, here are, within the context of the academy, talking a lot about um, decolonization, right? But somehow, and indigenous knowledges, but somehow this particular piece, these particular pieces weren't really broached. Right, they weren't really talked about, it. and I'm thinking, well, how does that make sense? So, all of these other elements, which you know, where white domination and white supremacy is being discussed and talked about and analyzed and theorized, yet these places, these particular aspects of who we are, which I feel is central to who we are, mm -hmm. um, somehow are true. And I thought, no, that can't be true in the sense that they're backwards. 
they're un it's it's uncivilized it's 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 it actually is a good thing right that we were converted and i thought no there's something yeah there's something to this so and i was experiencing it and then the more i observed around me that i thought okay there's something to this and i wanted to explore it a little bit more and um I wanted to get a better understanding of how we came to this place where, you know, Christianity or Islam is, is you know, um, put on a pedestal and people are really, you know, cleave, cleaved onto and embrace these religi religious identities, but they're pushing down, right, in, right. in um, um, Asia. Right. And, and so I wanted to get and you ask elders to this day and, and this is the language that's used. Right. Very, very much. The I truth. should say particular elders. Yeah, very much the truth. So um, I, I, I want to just explore this a little bit more. Maybe we unpack it a little bit. One, I, I think we need to kind of break down and maybe give an introduction to what we are talking about when we say the Yoruba understanding. And I, I love when we talk about the Orishas and the culture yep. and maybe just give our audience who may not have heard our first um, podcast, a little bit of an understanding okay. of exactly what we are talking about here when we mention okay. the Yoruba understanding. The Yoruba. Yes. Yep. Yoruba. Sounds good, sounds good. Thank you. So the Yoruba are, you know, one of the ethnic groups Many would say, you know, because we number um, 50 some odd million, right? Um, on the continent, in, your, in Yoruba land, which is, you know, within Nigeria, but it also borders Cameroon and Togo. Um, and, you know, they are, we are one of the most populous groups on the continent. And so there's that, um, what do you call it? There's that um, impact and that influence. But also, they, they were also taken across the Atlantic during the um, transatlantic slavery, right? Mm -hmm. um, what is now southwestern Nigeria, but over the 400-year period off, you know, um, Nigeria, what is now known as Nigeria, taken across the Atlantic all over, right? Um, and, and, you know, the other side as well, because there is the Arabic colonization, which we don't talk about as, as, uh, as much at all. Right. Um, we there's don't European and then there is Arabic, right? Yeah, and, and um, I love that you mentioned that, that the, the Arabic slave trade was very prominent um, as well. And, and mentioning that there was, was. That, that there was a, a large portion of slaves um, or, or in Black Indigenous people taken from that particular region of the world. Yep, yep, mm -hmm. yep. And what, what you know, Islam and, and Christianity had in common is their anti-Blackness. Their anti-Africanness, right, and feeling very much that you know, um, yeah, it's it's a, it's it's the reality, right? Um, and and these these shared beliefs that you know African people were less than and uncivilized and barbaric and didn't know God, didn't know God, didn't have an understanding of God, and therefore needed to be converted. Mm -hmm. um, but the Yoruba people to go back were taken across the Atlantic. Because um, my work focuses specifically on Christianity um, and, and European colonization, because um, it's what I know, right? It's, it's, it's what I've experienced and what I know, whereas in the um, northern parts of Nigeria, there's more of the, the influence of um, Islam. Um, 
and, and, and Arabic and the Arabic colonization and legacies of that. But taken across the Atlantic to the Caribbean. Um, and so today you will have, and, and um, what is now South America. So South America, black population outside of the continent of Africa is in Brazil. And um, the spirituality, uh, the indigenous spirituality in Brazil, African spirituality is called Candomblé and it's Yoruba, right? It's the Yoruba spirituality or otherwise known as Ifa. In Cuba, it's Santeria, right? Um, in Jamaica, you have Kumana. In Trinidad, you have Shango. Um, in New Orleans, you have Hoodoo. In Haiti, you have Vodon. And so there's this widespread, and, and there are inflections of other ethnicities as well. I wanna, I don't want to make it seem like it's solely Yoruba because you know people who were enslaved didn't only come from that right peoples, but there was the prominence of the Yoruba people, right? And you see it, you see the inflections in terms of just this one word, Ashe, right? Which is the which which is um, um, Ashu is the owner of Ashe, and Ashe essentially means life force, spirit force, life force, the essential breath of life, right? And in Brazil, it's uh, it's it's Axe A A X E in um, Cuba it's Ache uh, A C H E you know in this part of the world it's Ache right. People spell it A-S-H-A-Y or A-S-A-Y. You know, the original spelling A-S-E um, with a dot under the S and a dot under the E. And when you have a dot under the S, it's a sh sound and a dot under the E, it's an egg sound as an egg. So this particular art, the, the Yoruba people have a long history across spanning North America, South America, the Caribbean, um, in terms of its influence, right, culturally and spiritually. And in my conversation with Malefi Asante, who is the, you know, the, the, the father of Afrocentricity, I had a personal conversation with him and he said, by far, you know, Yoruba spirituality is the most popular expression of indigenous African spirituality in the diaspora, right? So how do you have this situation where Yoruba spirituality is the most popular expression in the diaspora, yet the Yoruba peoples themselves, right, are identifying as either Christian or Muslim. And if you were to talk to them about their indigenous spirituality, Ifa, they would say many of the things that were said in my book, which is that, you know, um, we don't do that. That's not who we are. Um, we're, you know, we're Christian, that, that, that was, a, that was the time of uncivilization when people, when we didn't know God, right? Like that, those are some of the things that people will say. Um, and it just didn't make sense to me. And so here you have it, the, the, um, double consciousness, right? There's, there's no reconciling how you can be proud because one thing about Yoruba people, Nigerians are proud people. Yoruba people are proud people. I do think that we think we are the center of the world, right? <laughs> and, it's, it's, it's and so how can you have black Twitter that comes up 
that that comes up fairly early. Somebody will be like, oh yeah, there goes there goes the Nigerians again. <laughs> there, see, I'm telling you. Yeah, you gotta admire it. Yep, exactly. And so I, you know, how is that? How is that possible? The Nigerians, we do think we're central the world. We do. There is an arrogance there. I always say. You know that Jamaicans, Jamaicans are the Nigerians of the Caribbean, right? Because Jamaicans have the same kind yes. of <laughs> reputation. <laughs> um, but how can you take? How can you be this proud and yet, you know, feel this way about you know your spirituality? Mm. How did this happen, right? What made it so? So that's where my work was coming from. And when I would go to my parents, you don't. They would say things like, "Oh, you don't speak about that. That's not good stuff. That's evil stuff." right? We're Christian, mm-hmm. right? We're Christians, right? We believe in God, right? Which would mean, therefore, that even speaking of something, you know, speaking of Ifa or speaking of Eshu means it's, you know, this is not of God, right. right? This is somehow backwards. This is evil. And so I wanted to have a better sense and understanding of that. Um, and I, I thought to myself, okay, this is, uh, this is some, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Oh no no I I'm I'm drinking in everything that you're saying it because it's so uh, yeah. slightly but we, we can roll with it it hasn't been too crazy okay. don't worry about okay. it at all okay. it's still in conversation um, good. one of the good. <laughs> one of the things that I I find quite engaging about this conversation is the commonality of this space because as you were speaking and mentioning your parents and how your parents will you know say let's not talk about that space it's very much the same thing with my family and my parents um you know as i mentioned you walk into my home and you know that's the first thing you're going to see is an altar to yamaya and um you know for a very long time you know my my parents would come in and and be you know you know, oh Lord, we gotta say prayer to Jesus. Let me open up Psalms and, and start reading, right? Because I, oh, because I, I totally. You know how many prayer groups I was a part of that they were praying for my soul because I went down this other path. And yep, right. And and it's it's not an unusual space. And what it is is this. Uh, for me, it, it shows you the totality to which we have been colonial, co- um, colonized, right? It, it really represents that when they can take what is and was our soul space right out of a people, that is one of the ways that you know that you have been conquered and divided. The very lifeblood of what we spiritually used to practice yeah. Um, you know, that we, we were stripped of. And I think that's right. a part of some of the disconnect that we see so strongly in our community and in this space. Yep. Yeah. Right. And when you mention, um, especially the, you know, the, the, the more seasoned generation is what I want to say. Um, like I, I have issues sometimes, Tope, where, where I can't even say we're of West Indian descent, right? I, my parents are from the islands of Antigua and Barbados. I can't even say that they are from Africa. Like that they're somewhere on their line, somebody came over on that ship 
and brought mm. you all to where we were. I can't even mention it. It has, we have had family um, blow ups at Christmas time over wow. that very issue. Like literal wow. people leaving mad because I mentioned that we, there, that we come from something other. And we're right. a very, very devout family of, of radical, mm. you know, nobody loves Jesus like some of the people in my, my family, let me tell you. And so I, I relate to this on a fundamental level. Um, like even mm -hmm. down to how we represent mm -hmm. even in our hair. At one point in time, I had long dreadlocks. And even that became yeah, so did I. Yeah, <laughs> too. Uh, it became long. It became uh, a long. Uh, once again, right. I ended up getting called yep. up to prayer groups. So let me tell you, uh, you know, she she's taken on that. Um, yep. You know, there's a persona, an understanding of it being dirty and 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 not being clean, and all the things that are attached to that. And what it ended up being, what I found was so interesting. Right. As I stood my ground in it, however, as I I started like for Christmas this year, I gave out waist beads. Um, every every woman, mm, I yeah, love that. Every woman who I I you know is close to me, I mailed a set of waist beads. And um, if you're just wondering, it's a it's a, a tradition in Africa where you know women will adorn their waist mm -hmm. with beads. Um, they mean many, many yep. different things. Yep. It, it, they can be many, many things, things depending. It's about yeah. stature and how you hold yourself. And it's an element of beauty. It's like wearing earrings, you know, it, it's earrings, it, right? It's like an element of beauty. So for me, I gave that out. And what I thought was interesting is where before I would have gotten calls about, let me pray for you. Um, I got this time, I got a thank you. And what does this mean? Mm. And I, I think what we're, we're recognizing is wow. that even, even as we sit in the duality of the space, there is a desire. Yeah. There's something that sits yeah. underneath that we want yeah. to be in our know. Right? Yes. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. And that's like, why it's a double consciousness. Mm. Right? Um, that's why it's a duality as opposed to something that is singular and, and complete, right? Because if it was singular, then it would be complete. And that's why when I talk about issue in my book, I talk about how this particular Orisha, the Orisha, the only Orisha, right? When the missionaries came as part of the colonial project, right? When the missionaries came, this is the only Orisha and they, they used education, right? They used the Bible to educate people, right? Um, and started schools and the Bible was the central text that was used and in translating, you know, um, the Bible into Yoruba, which happened through a particular um, man, um, uh, Ajayi Crowther, that the only Orisha, as I say, that made it into the Bible of the 401 plus, which means the thousands of Orisha, and the Orisha, let me just take it a step back so people understand. Within the Yoruba world sense, as opposed to worldview, right? In my book, I talk about world sense, which I borrow from an African feminist, a Yoruba feminist, Oyeronke She talks about the importance of world sense as opposed to worldview, because in a Eurocentric context, 
the visual is overemphasized as the cultural logic, right? We, 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 we focus on the visual as empirical, as opposed to the multi-senses that, that exist within our body, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so she talks about the importance of within indigenous cultures, world sense as opposed to worldview. So within the, within the Yoruba world sense, there is the ultimate, ultimate supreme being, which is Olodumare, right? And that is the owner of the sky, owner of the world, owner of the Odus, and the Odus are the thousands, right? Thousands of sacred stories, right? That um, knowledge keepers, the spiritual knowledge keepers train for decades. They train for decades, right? To, to, to memorize these stories as they divine, because these are the people that, you know, um, hold the, the cultural logic and, and are, do the divination to help people stay aligned with their spiritual selves, their self, right? So there's Olodumare or Eleda, meaning the creator, the one who created us, sky world and our world. And then there are the Orisha, right? Or the deities, 401 plus, right? So you might have heard of the seven powers, right? In, in Cuba, they're called the seven powers or in Haiti, um, um, even in, in New Orleans, there's the seven powers, right? And the seven deities that, you know, register that, that, that you know, people have the, um, that you hear spoken of revered most, not, not that they're, um, they're, they've been the most remembered, I guess, is maybe the best way to put it. So there's Yemaya, Yemaja, Shango, Eshu, Oloku, Arumila, um, and um, Ogun, and um, Obatala, right? Um, and so these seven powers, but there's the seven powers, and then there's so many more Orisha, right? There's so many more, right? 401 plus. So there's the Orisha, and then there's the Egugun, which is the, or, the ancestors, right? Our ancestors, right? Um, my parents' parents, right? Um, and their parents' parents, all of the ancestors, and then all the other beings that exist in our world, mm-hmm. right? That are spiritual, um, that can't be seen. Um, 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 the Iwi, the Ibora, like kind of like fairies, like little little entities that you can't be that can't be seen but that exist in our world and then there's the unborn those are that have yet to come Mm -hmm. right those that have yet to come and within this world sense how the yoruba understand the 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 person and the person coming is through their ori and ori is before somebody is born they pick their ori they literally pick their destiny right they, they pick an ori. There's a place where you can go. And this is in one of the stories. It's a place where you can go where Ajala, the, 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 the head molder, right? The destiny molder has a storehouse of heads, right? And you pick the one you want, you put it on and you do your journey, right? And you sojourn into this world, right? And this world is deemed, um, is called the marketplace, right? Yoruba people have a saying, Ayela um, Ja'arumi, um, um, I'm trying to remember. So the, this place, the, this world, the earth is the marketplace and the, um, the heavens are, is actually our home. So we come here for a time period and we go back, 
Hmm. Right. And so there is this world sense that we work with within the within the Yoruba context. And that's really, really important as opposed to worldview, because there are, you know, our bodies really are really um, are important and are sacred, but our bodies are enmeshed with spirit and our bodies are meshed enmeshed with intellect. So there's the matter and the spirit that are fundamentally important, right, within the context of um, a Yoruba world, a Yoruba sense. You have um, um, things, right? Um, but then you also have the, just frozen. Patty, are you moving? Oh, am I frozen? No. But then you also have the, um, to go back to the Orisha, the Orisha are, the, are people that were once human that walked this world and then they became deified when they, when they passed, right? Hmm. So um, Yemaja, right, is the Orisha of the, the Atlantic, right? The ocean, right? And is a female entity. And then you have um, Ashun, which is the rivers, right? A smaller body of water, but another female entity. Um, and you have Ogun, which is, you know, the, the Orisha, the deity of war, right? And the deity of the forest, right? Um, and of greenery and of all, you know, people who, all metals, right? All metals are the progenitor, um, are the are the preserve of of um, of Ogun, right? And and I know and my parents still do this to this day. We, we, when we buy a car, we go outside and we bless it with some with some um, alcohol and we say a prayer. And the prayer is that you don't you know you don't get into any accidents you know. And wherever you go, you go in peace and you come back in peace. You come back in one piece. You come back safe and sound. And it's always to Ogun, right? I mean, Ogun isn't mentioned anymore, but that ritual and practice yeah. is still happening. And there's nothing Christian about that. There's nothing Muslim about that, no. right? It's an understanding that there's a particular deity that is connected to metals, right? And the, the hope and the prayer is that these metals will pro provide safety and security and will take us where we need to go and bring us home safely, right? Um, so within this, the Yoruba world worldview, these different Orisha, how they became de deified and um, were once people and they became deified, remind us that, you know what, we are humans, but we share this world with other beings and entities, right? So living in harmony with water, living, living in har harmony with the air, with the, um, the dirt, ile, right? With all the other things that our world provides that the land provides so fundamentally important and it keeps us in check as human beings right to not think that somehow we're supreme or we're better than any of the mm -hmm. other um entities that exist within the context of our world and this particular orisha issue is so fundamentally important because it's the only one that made it into the bible right but it makes he, he here listen to me say he 
because I contest that. I can I I trouble that a little bit because this particular Orisha was recast and mistranslated as the, the, the devil and recast and mistranslated as a he. Because within the Yoruba context, again, gender is fluid. There's fluidity to, to gender, right? And this particular Orisha, depending on who those who revere this Orisha, it, he may be translated as a he or a she or a they. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm, I'm So that's just some context in terms of so I sorry to interrupt. I'm I'm just excited when I hear it because there's a couple of things I pull out from it. Is that's okay. One, that's okay. <laughs> one is Patty. Do you see one of the things when we started doing this podcast? And as I practice, um, you know, some of the these traditions uh, as a Yoruba, you know, uh, a conductor, a believer in the religious sides of things and the spiritual aspects of it, I really was able to see the links. When I hear you talk about, when you talk about your, your Ashkenabe mm. traditions and how they are tied to the land and that, you know, mm. when we speak of these things, there's so many common grounds with it because we as Indigenous our understandings believe the same thing. It's very much, one cannot exist without the other. Yeah. And our reverence for being on Turtle the Island, yep. right? Or, and being in connection yep. with, with the land, the sea, the air, water, all of these parts is integral yep. to how we exist and experience our world. Mm -hmm. and, and that just really struck me. And also when we talk about, I'm, I'm doing a whole um, piece on this in particular is um, understanding how the colonial system and religion in particular took us from an understanding of our, the gender fluidity to which we existed in. That those lines that we as indigenous, you know, folks and black folks Af and our Afrocentric viewpoints didn't see things yeah. um, as right. just, you know, you know, binary. There, that wasn't our truth. And breaking yeah. that down um, yep. is a space that I'm really trying to educate in, as you know, in moving through to sex positive um, spaces because I think it's so important yep. to bring it back home to where we begin. And with that being, you know, a thought, you know, when we talk about these, these beliefs, our, our core, you know, feelings or sense that we sit in and we move them forward, do you see, Tope, the, the, the commonality that exists? Like this, this realm of us being in these spaces together and how it interlinks. Like, I, I believe we had to have all been relatives, man. Like, well, I, just, the whole I just want to jump in there because yeah. I, mean, I follow a couple of, of really great rabbis on Twitter. Um, one is uh, Dania Rutenberg, and I just, I just love her so much. But she had recently um, retweeted, she talks a lot about, um, about Joseph and gender and, you know, kind of the presence of gender fluidity and queerness in, you know, in what I would grow, what, what I would have grown up calling the Old Testament. Um, you know, and, and so she, she talks about that and, how, and mm -hmm. how it's in the Hebrew. 
it's in it's it's in the it's in the language it's in the it's in the Hebrew the, these this idea of fluid gender she talks about you know she she'd recently done a thread I'll see if I can find the link and and um chat because yeah I would love to she's I would love to see that one her handle so there's I'm just gonna put one link in there just because it, it I don't know that it's the thread I'm looking okay for, thank you but that's the that's the um the person that i'm talking about dania and if you kind of search okay. her twitter thread you, you can find a lot more stuff in there about joseph and so she talks about that she talks about uh, quite frequently she talks about you know kind of the queerness um that was that was present in the text and it's really colonialism has done a number on everybody because it prioritizes certain things right yes. it prioritizes certain families which like yep. you talked about at the very beginning in your work with child welfare yep prioritizes yep. Very, a very specific yep. idea of home that really mm -hmm. when you look at the history of christianity mm -hmm. up until you, you know up, up until you know the early modern period there were a lot of you know no fucks given over a lot of things you know including small magics and what we you know and what we <laughs> later called witchcraft the church didn't care you wanted to cast your oh. spells you wanted yes. to have your little altars whatever who cares this was just like yep. it wasn't until women needed yep. subjugated right yep. the rise of capitalism that the witch trials started yeah um was a way yeah you know and so that wasn't even yep. theology at that time that was a warping of things and so what we mm -hmm. have now what i grew up in you know in the evangelical yep. church is not what i is not what's there it's not even within the text half the time <laughs> it's just warped and twisted stuff from the text and so that's something that i <laughs> you had made a comment in your book about about the bible and i'm really i'm not here to defend the bible people got a lot of beefs with it and beefs with christianity and really god can defend himself um <laughs> what i mean Sorry. but what but what i mean what I, what i liked about what you had said it was the hegemonic tool it had become so it had gotten used in a very destructive yes. way and that, yep. that's what we're constantly working against because like a lot of like carrie had said yeah yep. I, mean, I feel all those similarities and i think when i think of indigenous people i think of land-based people i think of people that remain and you think of sorry say that again land-based people so we're okay either, yeah we, we're either remained in contact with the at the place of our creation um yeah. or we have transferred that knowledge to this new place and are better right. building relationships with this place because yeah. we're, you know because uh, i'm a thousand miles from home right like i'm ojibwe mm -hmm. and you know, now they have like huge chunk of north america but my people are way mm. up in northwestern ontario so for me it's i'm not in mm. the place yeah, I'm Creator's Garden is up in northwestern Ontario. It's north of Kenora. I'm way down here. Right. So I'm developing relationship with this right. place. And so I'm taking that land-based way of understanding and applying it to this place and becoming a good right. person here. And so that's as I kind of read your book, that's what I was hearing. It wasn't articulated yep. in that way, I think, but it was I think that was where that was what I heard anyway, was we have yep. this land-based way of living and this 
immensely populated world, this immensely yes. magical world that really, you yeah. know, yeah. you know, following Danya on Twitter, the Hebrew world was immensely magical and hugely populated you know, with yeah, yep. and you know, and and it's retaining yep. that connection and then applying it in that new place. So these are how how yeah. do I develop relationships with the beings of this place? And do mine come with me? You know, did they come across the ocean too? <laughs> how do they get along with the? Yep. Exactly. Things, you know, <laughs> do they have their own treaties? Exactly. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> probably do. I mean, our, our relatives are all bound up together, right? Yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. And I think ultimately, you know, the message is that um, how can we, how can we live, you know, in relationship with each other, right? Um, understanding our humanity, but that, that our humanity expresses itself within the context of a culture, a cultural, I don't like the word logic, but a cultural frame, right? And, and that, you know, when um, Africans that uh, descended from Africans that were enslaved um, came here and have been here for, for hundreds of years, they developed, just like you said, a relationship to this land, carrying and remembering and passing down what you know, the, the relationship that they had developed for eons on the African continent, right? Like that stayed within memory and culture and, and, and their bodies, right? And that it was passed down, but because of the way African people were denied their humanity and how we continue to be denied our humanity, and especially the spiritual component and the language as well, it had to go underground in order to survive. Yeah. And and when it comes up, um, but it comes up strategically um, and it happens in this really, yeah, it comes, it happens in this strategic way because we have learned that if we are openly, um, if we openly embrace um, who we are, that that comes with risk, right? Mm. It comes with a lot of risk. And so people, ultimately my message here is that People inter have internalized these these really oppressive and 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 systems that are so deeply hurtful and injurious, but it's not complete. Mm -mm. And people have also um, people also ha are protesting against these very same systems that they are embracing. Right? They're protesting against it because there's something called survival. But that does something to your soul when you have to, you know, have these, this double consciousness. When you have, it does something to your soul. And my concern with this, with in, and why I wrote this is, my parents have all this knowledge, right? Mm -hmm. And when I ask questions, right? They're very careful with how they share. And I know that that's folded into that is trauma and hurt and injury and wanting to keep themselves safe, right? And feeling that it would be best if we don't know, right? If I don't know and my siblings don't know to keep us safe. Mm -hmm. But my, my, what I'm saying in this work is that there is a danger to that mm -hmm. because 
the younger generations need to know and need to be and, um, um, socialized and lived and loved in, in the arms of who we are, like in a proud, loving way, um, which is why I dedicate it to my son. And so to this day, I'm still, you know, really paying attention and listening to what, what you know, the, what they say and how they say it and what it means and what's, what's underneath it, because um, I don't want my son to grow up, you know, with all these questions that I had, right? Um, and and to, to, you know, for many, many years, the shame, mm-hmm. right? The shame around being African, being from the continent, being Yoruba. It wasn't even, I didn't even identify as Yoruba. It was Black, right? And so even sometimes how people identify as Black because you can identify as Black because Black isn't attached to a, a landmass. Mm-hmm. It's not attached to Africa, mm-hmm. right? That's interesting. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's that's not. And so you can, you know, and that's one of my critiques actually of a lot of academics that, that talk about, you know, and, and talk about the history of slavery. They talk about it as if everything began with the Atlantic and there's no discussion of Africa, mm-hmm. right? So which landmass, and this is why I say we are indigenous, but we're indigenous in a different way. Mm-hmm. Our indigeneity is a type of diasporic indigeneity and um, it's coming from the diaspora. It exists in the diaspora, but we're indigenous because it, when you say you're indigenous, the question is, well, indigenous to where? So it forces you, it you know, begs the question, Okay, to where and to which landmass? So we have to talk about our connections mm-hmm. to, 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 to the continent, um, which is where, despite people denying, if you, if you see how they live and the things they do, it's so African, right? Despite the fact that they'll say they're not African, it's so African. Okay, and braids, you know, if you think about braids, Right, the way the way black women wear their hair, right, the dancing, the food. You can find Medicine for the Resistance on Facebook and the website www.med4r.com. Don't forget to rate, share, and support us by buying us a coffee at www.ko-fi.com slash medicine for the resistance. You can also support the podcast and so much more by going to patreon.com slash payyourrent. You can follow Patty on Twitter at G-I-N-D-A-A-N-I-S and at danish.ca, D-A-A-N-I-S dot C-A. You can follow Carrie at K-E-R-R-Y-O-S-C-I-T-Y, that's Curiosity, and find her online at kerrygoring.com. Our theme is fearless.